What's happening, everybody? On today's show, we continue our look ahead to all the spring games happening in the SEC this weekend. Today, we're talking Tennessee Vols. That's why I got my orange on. We're going to talk talk with Eric Kane, host of Locked On Vols. What does life after Hendon Hooker look like for the Tennessee Volunteers? We'll get into all of it and expectations for this weekend. Locked On SEC starts right now. You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. And a reminder, we want you to be an everydayer. Keep listening to us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we are Locked On SEC, your teams every day. Join us now. Let's jump right into it. He's our buddy Eric Kane, host of Locked On Vols. And Eric, crazy to think we're already here. I know you guys have had a, a busy spring with uh, so many different guys preparing for the draft and Hendon Hooker and all this kind of stuff. And now here we are, the uh, spring game already here upon us. Uh, Got to be pretty excited to get this knocked out and start to get an early preview of what this team could look like in 2023. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of hard to believe it's been... Um... It's been fast moving. Uh, you know, it was just a couple of weeks ago when Tennessee started, and um, and here you are, the orange and white game, and we'll see kind of what everything looks like. I think one thing's for certain: this team has much more depth. You got strength in numbers, and that's um, something that Tennessee has not had in quite some time. So that's been fun to watch. And uh, they've shut some guys down, or, or better said, maybe kept guys out of scrimmages who were just a little bit banged up, could have played, but you want to see some other guys and see what they have and create some depth. And so that's been a really neat thing to see this spring. Uh, for sure. Orange and white game coming up uh, on Saturday. I'm looking forward to seeing what Tennessee looks like heading into the final phase of the offseason. I mentioned, Eric, the uh, life after Hendon Hooker, and we kind of got a glimpse of it with uh, down the season of, of last uh, or down the, the you know end of last season with Joe Milton being thrown in there and looking very good in the games that he played. Uh, obviously, Nico Liava is in now as the all-everything heralded freshman, but Talk a little bit about what you've seen from the quarterback so far through the spring. Yeah, I mean, I think Joe's been fine. We don't we don't get to see an awful lot of of uh, practice, just uh, about twenty five minutes when we're there, and so we don't we get to see routes on air and stuff like that. And you know, when you throw routes on air, quarterbacks look great, right? I mean, uh, both Joe and, and Nico both just throw beautiful balls, and so it's been fun to watch that. You've heard good things about Joe. Joe is the undisputed leader of this football team this year. It's his team. They follow his lead. Um, he even said it when he met with us in the media a couple weeks ago. He's like, hey, I'm I'm big guy. So when I speak, people listen, right? And I think that's been good to see. And Joe knows the system, too. You're going into year three of the system for Joe. And so very comfortable, uh, much different quarterback than who he was at the beginning of 2021 when he was the starter for Tennessee. So it's Joe's team. Nico's been fine. I mean, he's been making a lot of freshman mistakes, and that's what you want. Joey Halsley, offensive coordinator, said, Bring them on in the spring. We want to make mistakes right now, especially with young quarterbacks. So he's had his freshman moments, but he's also wowed in some scrimmages and um, looks like he's uh, you know stepping in to be that guy for Joe that Joe was for Hendon Hooker last year. So quarterbacks have been fine. Don't think they've been perfect this spring, but uh, you know a lot of times you're not perfect in spring, and that's the time to kind of work through some things and, and figure it out. Well, let's talk about uh, a little bit more on. Joe Milton because look it, it's not a fair 
comparison, but there's going to be a lot made of this. We saw this offense take off this past year with Hendon Hooker and take it to new heights. I think a lot of fans and media and, and people outside are going to expect, okay, we're going to see a lot of the same things with Joe Milton. Is that fair? I mean, obviously Joe's a little bit of a different quarterback. We know he's a gunslinger. Uh, we saw, you know, his limited time a year or two ago of him, you know, really sailing balls over guys' heads. When we saw him play the games down the back stretch of last season, it looked like that had kind of been fine-tuned. But should we expect, you know, maybe a step back from what we saw from Hendon a year ago? What are real expectations for Milton? Well, I mean, let's just be real. I mean, Hendon Hooker, you pretty much talk to anybody, you know, that covers and is familiar with the game of college football. I mean, he was a Heisman finalist, should have been a Heisman finalist. The fact that he wasn't is just hilarious. Um, He was that good is what I'm meaning. So, do I think Joe Milton's going to be that good? No. Is there going to be a ginormous step back? I wouldn't I wouldn't say that, but I mean, Hendon Hooker gave you elite quarterback play the last two years. Uh, can Joe Milton give you above average? Can Joe Milton give you, you know, maybe he can be great in this offense. We'll see. But um, he's a different quarterback than Hendon Hooker. His arm is stronger. His accuracy is nowhere close to Hendon Hooker. Uh, hopefully it won't be, you know, super, super bad, but he won't be as accurate as Hendon Hooker. Um, decision-making, I'm intrigued to see kind of what that looks like. He has a better understanding and a better handle of this offense, and you saw confident Joe Milton out there in the Orange Bowl against Clemson. And so is that what we're going to see, you know, in 2023? I'd sign me up for that because I think that'll be great. So, you know, we'll see. Um, I don't think that, I mean, he's, in terms of an athlete, in terms of the tools and everything, he's a specimen. He is, um, he's everything you want. Can you put it all together? And if you can, then yeah, sure, you're talking about a Heisman you know, finalist contender, um, but he does have the tools to succeed in this offense. He is smart in this offense, and he's more in control and in command of it now. So, uh, you know, until I see some good play, like I'm not going to say that you should expect the same things because Hendon Hooker was just so good, but I I don't think there's going to be a ginormous step back. I think Joe is uh, the perfect guy for the job right now and has, uh, has an understanding of not only what to do, but why you're doing it this way in this offense. And he has that because he sat behind hooker for two years. Let's talk about Nico. Um, one of the most heralded quarterbacks in recent years to come to Tennessee, obviously the NIL deals and all this kind of stuff has made headlines. But I think also when you look at it, he's just a, a, a rare breed talent. What are expectations for what we'll see out of him? You know, will there be any packages where we might see him or is he simply going to be, you know, presumably backup quarterback. He'll play some against Austin P and some of the lesser opponents. But other than that, it's the Joe Milton show, and we won't really see much of Nico. Well, yeah, we presume that he's going to be the backup. Um, you know, Joey Halsley said there's a quarterback competition this spring. He said that uh, Orange Bowl week and said Joe knows it, Nico knows it, all the quarterbacks in the room know it. But I mean, come on, Joe Milton's going to be the starter. Um, unless, you know, he's playing poorly. I think Joe Milton has earned the opportunity, and I think that he's earned the right. I think he's the best quarterback for the job right now, obviously. If the, he goes through a stretch in the regular season where you just need to get better stuff, maybe depending on where Nico is at that point in time, maybe you see a change, but I don't anticipate that. Uh, the presumption is he's going to be the backup quarterback. Now, the expectations from the coaching staff is, hey, go make this a quarterback competition. Go make us make a decision. Make it hard on us. And, you know, Nico is not there yet right now, but hey, he's only 10 practices into his college career. He should still be in high school right now. Um, Where is he at the end of fall camp? Where is he week five of the season? Uh, He's got all the tools that you possibly want. His release is so quick. Uh, He's he's throws such a good ball. 
He's gotten bigger since being in Tennessee. He's gained about 12, 13 pounds. So that looks good. His footwork is phenomenal. So uh, he's going to turn out to be a pretty good one in this system, I think, for years to come for sure. But the expectation is, hey, Nico, go make it hard on us. Let's see what you got. The presumption is from everybody else, myself included, is he's going to be the backup. He's going to wait, watch, sit, learn, let Joe do his thing, and then come in for 2024. One last real quick one on the quarterbacks. How patient will fans be? I mean, are we talking about first sign of struggle from Joe Milton? You know, lets it sail over a guy once or twice, and are fans getting restless going, put in Nico? When, when, when are fans ever patient? <laughs> Gordy, here we go. Tennessee fans, Astros fans, whoever you're talking about, right? Fans are never one to be super patient. Um, knowing what you have on the bench and, and all that, they're, they're not going to be very patient. They're going to say, well, you know, get in Nico, all this type of stuff. And then on the on the flip side of that, you know, when Nico is in there, it's like, oh, you know, all, all this hoopla for this, what's going on? I mean, I, I think that for the most part, fans will understand that this is Joe's time and, and that uh, this is his offense. He's the best guy for the job. But if he sails balls over the head consistently, if he's looked bad from one week to the next and it starts to become a pattern, then I would assume that there's going to be a want and a cry to get Nico in there just to see what he has. And it's a little bit different than a couple of years ago, certainly. Um, even when Harrison Bailey came in, I mean, Harrison Bailey was a, a late five-star, you know, rivals gave him that. I, I don't believe the other uh, fan sites awarded a, a fifth-star for Harrison Bailey. You know, Nico's been a herald of the five-star prospect from the get-go, and he's the number one player in the country per on three. So I think it's a little bit different, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see exactly what happens. But I don't anticipate fans ever being patient uh, regarding anything, especially when it comes to the quarterback position. All right, more with Eric Kane here in just a second. We'll hit on some of those other great position battles going on around the uh, the Tennessee Volunteers. But first, I want to remind you guys, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, you need to check out the best-tasting protein bar ever. It is Built. you got to try it out. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, it's got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. They taste so amazing you won't even think they're good for you. Uh, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable player flavors like the churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies, and cream. Not sure how they do it, but they maintain amazing macros. Uh, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar in there with a whopping 17 grams of protein. If you're uh, in gain season and you're working out, Built Bars are the way to go. And, of course, you can find them now at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors still at Built.com. That's built.com. Go check them out. Find out all the information you need. And then, like I said, run to your closest Sam's Club or Walmart and get Built Bar today. All right, continue our conversation with Eric Kane as we look ahead to the orange and white game coming up this weekend. And, uh, Eric, we talked about the quarterbacks. Let's talk about other pieces of the offense. Who has really made a name for themselves this spring when it comes to wide receiver and running back? Because I know – uh, Jalen Wright and Jabari Small have both been kind of banged up, so Dylan Sampson and some others kind of having a chance to shine at, at running back. And then with wide receiver, look, you lose Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, you're looking for other guys to step up. And Brew McCoy is not practicing this spring. Dante Thornton, the new transfer, has been extremely limited. Ramel Keaton has been held out the last two weeks. Squirrel White has been held out as well. So, I mean, it is it is slim picking at the skills positions 
uh, for Tennessee right now. Sorry, my microphone is just going crazy today. But um, it, it's what you want in spring, right? I mean, it's an opportunity to see what else you have to create some depth. And that's what Tennessee's doing at running back right now. Uh, Jalen Wright has been wrapped in bubble wrap all spring practice. He's probably practiced a handful of times. Jabari Small has not practiced at all. Dylan Sampson has had a great spring. And two freshmen who have come on, and you know Cam Seldon, who's a really highly rated prospect out of Virginia, has come on. He's been you know getting his toes wet. He's been banged up a little bit, but he's he's flashed at times. Deshaun Bishop, a local talent here from Carnes High School in Knoxville, Tennessee, he's been the talk of everybody. He's looked really really good. Now, do I think he'll have a role in this offense in the fall? Probably not, but it's good to see that you have some depth because I remember two years ago when Tennessee was down to its fifth running back and handing it to a walk-on running back against Ole Miss and against Missouri and in some critical SEC games. So um, that's what I've liked about this spring practice. And then at wide receiver, with all these guys being out and, and Tennessee being overly cautious, because there's no reason to you know have you know, Dante Thornton hurt his hamstring even worse or Mel Keaton or any of these guys in spring practice. You know, guys like Chaz Nimrod has stepped up as a freshman last year, pretty much had a redshirt year, um, watched, learned, and and now it's kind of the number one target in spring practice. And I think he's had a good spring, and I look for him to do some things in the orange and white game as well. Uh, a quick thought on the old line. It seems like it's almost like a good puzzle. They got some really good pieces. He's just trying to figure out who goes where. Uh, what do you make of what you've seen of the offensive line? Well, Tennessee needs a left, a left guard. Um, Tennessee is confident, I think, right now that John Campbell is going to be a left tackle. Uh, Tennessee has options at right tackle. Um, you need to find a starter there, but uh, the, the combination of who played left tackle for you last year is now going to be playing right tackle for you this year. And and J.J. Crawford and Gerald Mincy, Dane Davis, uh, trying to duke it out for that right tackle spot. You return at right guard, you know, 63 right there. Cooper Mays is coming back at center. And then you got to find a left guard. Is it going to be Ollie Lane, a veteran that's that's played a lot of snaps for you in a reserve role? Is it going to be uh, Addison Nichols, who has stepped up and snapped the football this spring in the absence of Cooper Mays, who's been out for about the last two weeks? He will factor into the left guard conversation in, in fall camp. Is it going to be another veteran in Jackson Lampley? Is it going to be transfer Andre Kirik? Um, Tennessee's very unsettled at left guard right now. Need to find a right tackle, but you know who's going to play it. Um, but outside of that, that's that's kind of been the, the theme of the offensive line. There's been some injuries. Cooper Mays, as I mentioned, has been out a couple of weeks. Ollie Lane has missed a, a little bit as well with a minor injury. Just trying to figure out you know, what, what else you have in creating some depth there. But uh, Tennessee feels good about it. They just got to find a left guard. Let's flip it to defense. Uh, who are we really keeping an eye on or, or has caught your eye throughout this spring that you think could show out in the spring game? And I say this because last weekend I watched Auburn's spring game. I watched Vandy's spring game. And uh, a lot of guys in their secondary stood out in both games, particularly safeties. Is there anybody maybe in that Tennessee secondary that we should be keeping an eye on this weekend? I mean, we'll see. Um, you know, when we go to practice, the, the defense is typically doing – uh, individual work, you know, for the 20 minutes we're there. So, like, we every practice we go to, we see the linebacker doing bag drills, you know, takeaways. You know, what, what are they? None, right? I mean, you see the defensive line going under the cage. You see the secondary working on tackling drills, which, again, is very important. They need to do that every single day. But, you know, we as media, we don't have any takeaways from that. So, you've heard some good things about some freshmen and Ricky Gibson at cornerback and Jordan Matthews at cornerback. You've heard some good things about Gabe Judy Lolly, who came over from BYU uh, I think Danico Slaughter is kind of the leader in the clubhouse at cornerback, and he's a, a really, really nice player that shined at points and times last year. So we'll see if those guys do anything in the spring game. Um, they've been mixing and matching the groups. You know, Willie Martinez said last week there's no ones, twos, and threes right now. 
They're just trying to figure it out. Just because you've been a guy like Jalen McCullough who started for four years doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to start this year. And I think some competition there at safety is what you need in, in a hurry. Uh, so we'll see. Um, you know, spring games a lot of times are for young guys to shine. So I'll look for some of these freshmen that came in like a like a Ricky Martinez, a Jordan Matthews, maybe a sophomore and Jordan Thomas at safety to, to kind of shine there in the spring game. And last thing on the defense, up front, who's going to be that guy that we're all going to be talking about, either defensive end, just pass, pass rusher, who's going to be the guy in your mind? James Pierce. Um, it, it was really, really raw as a true freshman last year. That's why he didn't play. You saw Joshua Josephs play a lot behind Byron Young. I think James Pierce has so much untapped potential. He's long. He can bend. He can accelerate coming off that edge. Um, he's had a really good spring, and so I think that he's going to play a key role for Tennessee's defense on the edge and trying to replace Byron Young along with, of course, Joshua Josephs and Roman Harrison there. So I like James Pierce in that regard, and you got Steady Eddie, right? You got Amari Thomas in the middle, right? He's that leader, and he's been a couple-year starter. He's gotten better and better. He ate a lot of snaps for you last year until some other guys came around like Bryce and Eason, uh, but I would go with Amari Thomas and, uh, and James Pierce. Final segment with our buddy Eric Kane. Of course, give him a follow on Twitter at underscore Kaner. Covers the Vols better than anybody out there. And, uh, Eric, let's get into it. We, we've kind of previewed a lot of the different positions and what to expect in this spring game, the orange and white game happening this weekend. But I liked, I've been doing this with everybody, previewing the spring games. Last segment, we spent just kind of looking at the schedule and figuring out what's reasonable. I know it's mid-April, but we kind of look ahead and figure out what's a good win-loss total for the Tennessee Volunteers. So let's kind of run through it. First two games, you open with a neutral field game against Virginia. Good program, but one where Tennessee should be far and away ahead and better than. Feels like they should win that one. And then week two again against Austin P. 2-0 and to start the season, right? Yep, that's what I think. I'm trying to pull up the schedule right now. But yeah, I mean, Virginia, that, the only pause it gives you there is like, hey, we're um, you know, it's, it's week one. You're never at your best in week one, right? And you hope that you come a long way in, in fall camp and kind of solidify some things. And if you're not playing your best in week one, especially on – it's going to be a home game for Tennessee, but it's still not your home field. Uh, so it's a little bit different in that regard. But, you know, how how bad can you play and still win? It's kind of how I look at week one. And maybe that's not the right way to look at it, but, I mean, that's just kind of – that's for any football team, right? You're still figuring yourself out. But I think Tennessee goes to Nashville and, and handles Virginia and then definitely handles Austin P the next week. So, yeah, 2-0 and o to start the season. We talked with Stephen Willis of Locked on Ole Miss the other day, and, man, they get, you know, right out of the gates. They start SEC play in week four with Bama uh, in Tuscaloosa, and, you know, the, it's a tough go. You guys get Florida third week of the season um, at Florida. Again, a little bit of a transition period. Billy Napier still trying to build it up, but as we know, that game is never an easy one. Where, where are we feeling right now in mid-April on that game? Yeah, I mean, Tennessee plays Florida every single week, week three of the schedule, week four, you know, and and this past year you played Florida, you played LSU, then you played Alabama. <laughs> like, hey, it, it's uh, it's the SEC, so it's tough. Um, Tennessee, Florida is never easy. I mean, Tennessee was beating them by 18 points or 17 points in the fourth quarter with four minutes left this past season. Then Anthony Richardson showed you why he's going to be drafted in the top 10 and nearly came back. Uh, transition for sure, very very uncertain the quarterback is Florida, but it's at Florida. It's hard to win in the swamp. Um, Tennessee should win, uh, even though you lost so much from last year. I still like Tennessee today to win in the swamp, but 
It's something Tennessee hadn't done in a long time, so it's going to be a challenge. But I'll, I'll say it's a win right now simply because despite losing so much, I still like where Tennessee is right now compared to Florida roster-wise. It's uh, We'll pencil in a W there. Uh, week four, what an interesting sandwich game. UTSA, normally you would just say, ah, uh, easy W here, but you consider this. UTSA, an 11-win team from a year ago. They bring back their, I think, what, sixth year for Frank Harris at quarterback? Like, he's been there forever. Scary, scary, dangerous game, especially sandwiched between Florida and South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, that's the definition of a trap game, right? An offense that can score, and you, you better watch out. I mean, I just think at some point defense takes over. Understand, you know, Tennessee doesn't have the best defense, um, but but in a game like that, I expect defense to take over late. So I like Tennessee in that one, though, for sure. It's, it's, it's definitely not one that you uh, just close your eyes and walk through. It's the start of a three-game uh, homestand, and after that you get South Carolina September 30th, then you get a week off, and then you get Texas A&M. A&M obviously fell off the, the wagon back, back or, uh, last season and then rebounded, got a big win over LSU late in the year, but didn't go to a bowl game. They look like they're going to be revamped and better. And South Carolina, by the way, they get Spencer Rattler back, and we all know about how that game went down late in the season last year. So where are you on both of those games? It's a big-time stretch, and you're lucky you got a, an off week there after South Carolina to maybe reset, regroup, and get ready for a really tough stretch of A&M Alabama and Kentucky uh South Carolina I mean I mean what do you say after last year right I mean Tennessee should have won that game by 30 um you know we did a crossover episode and 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 you know we both took Tennessee to win by like 20 points I believe I think the spread was like 21 22 or something um Spencer Rattler played like the old Spencer Rattler the last two weeks of the season and if he does that all year long South Carolina would be a dangerous team but I like Tennessee to win at home against South Carolina um just I literally no no explanation for what happened last year. So you circle that game because obviously that's a big revenge game for sure. And then AM, I think AM is gonna be a lot better, like you mentioned. I do. Um they got they got some things to settle for sure, but I like that, that game's at Neyland Stadium. Um you might split those two right there with South Carolina AM. You could very well win them both, but those are gonna be a challenge. We'll we'll play devil's advocate. We'll say five and one. We don't want to put them at a perfect six and oh at that point in the season. Uh, Yeah, because again, it's fun to do this exercise right now, but I mean, you're going (laughs) to like, like we're going to get into this. I'm going to have Tennessee winning like 10 games. Like Tennessee, I don't think is going to win 10 (laughs) games, but go ahead. Eric, we're going to save this tape. We're going to bring this back in September and and it will haunt you. Um, You said Tennessee would win 10 games last year and you were right. (laughs) Hey, hey, I'm pretty good. Uh, At Alabama, the revenge game, October 21st. They don't know who their quarterback is right now, but, man, that feels like they want to pay you guys back big time. Yeah, I'll pick Alabama here. Um, Tennessee can win this game. Certainly Tennessee can win this game. This is not a chalk it up to Alabama like it's been for the last 15 years. Um, Even with not knowing who the quarterback is, it's at Bryant-Denny Stadium. The roster is still so good. Um, I'm with you. It just kind of feels like Alabama would get you there. But uh, it's it's not a gimme whatsoever. Tennessee will give them hell just like they did back in 2021, making Nick Saban just throw his headset in frustration like three times down there. So we'll see what happens. We'll go Alabama right now. So we got them at 5-2. and two. The next week at Kentucky, it's a tough one. You guys handled them pretty, pretty well. It's a tough place to play at times, but Devin Leary, a quarterback, it feels like, I mean, they go from Will Levis to Devin Leary and everything we're reading about him, people are very high it's an upgrade. on him. Yeah, they, they think this offense could be even more dangerous, but – a tough spot there on the road at Kentucky? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be easy. Um, 
Will Levis threw it 30 times in the first half back in 2021 when Tennessee was uh, up there at Kroger Field. You know, Tennessee, Kentucky, Tennessee always has Kentucky's number, but the last couple of years, Kentucky's gotten, you know, a win or two uh, going back the last seven years or whatever. They've been challenging games. I think Kentucky gets better on offense with Devin Leary. What Devin Leary is it, though? Is it 2021 Devin Leary or 2022 Devin Leary? That's a big one. You lose a lot on the run game for Kentucky, which has kind of been a tall mark. Didn't run the football well last year. I'll say Tennessee wins up at Kroger Field, but that'll be a challenge for sure. So six and two, uh, they'll beat UConn that next week. So we'll put them at seven and two. Then they're at Missouri again. I don't know. I don't. This might be the year where Eli Drinkwitz might get run. So I'm going to say that's one of Tennessee wins. We'll see what Missouri looks like late in the year. But we got them at eight and two, and then the backstretch home for the last two. But it's Georgia and then Vanderbilt. And we know Vanderbilt's given problems in recent years. But uh, Georgia, I mean, is this the year? If Tennessee gets to that game and they're sitting there at eight and two, they're going to feel pretty good about their chances against Georgia. As they should. Absolutely. I mean, Tennessee should have felt good about going to Georgia this past year as it did. If Tennessee's eight and two playing at home against Georgia in November, you should feel good about your chances going into that game. Um, much like Alabama, very, you're not sure exactly the direction uh, you're going to go with the quarterback. Although, you like the direction a lot more at Georgia quarterback than Alabama, in my opinion. I think you got some better options. But much like Alabama, again, it's just the roster is so deep. You have so many options. It's developed. Uh, Tennessee is so much better than what it was two years ago, but it's not to the likes of Georgia yet in that regard. So I'll go with Georgia. I'll, pl- I'll play it safe right now, Georgia. But uh, if you're 8-2 and two playing at home, you know wh- what does Georgia look like at that point? How is that quarterback play? Um, they've won a lot of games not last year, but two years ago with okay quarterback play and then letting the rest of the team take over. How good is the rest of the team this year? And of course, Stetson Bennett just got better and better and better. So we'll see. We'll chop that up as a loss, but that's a close one. By the way, ESPN lists, you know, ticket prices now for a lot of those games of the secondary market. Uh, tickets for uh, Tennessee UConn as low as 44 bucks. Tickets for Tennessee Georgia as low as 260 right now. So okay. yeah. 260 will get you in the door right now. Uh, Thankfully, I have a I, I have a little card that gets me in because I don't <laughs> know if I drop that. <laughs> well, let's say let's say they lose Georgia and beat Vanderbilt. 9 and 3. It's a it's a little bit of a step back from a year ago, but I would say like if you ask the average Tennessee fan Right now, we can guarantee you nine and three. Would you take it? Would most say yes? One hundred percent, you take that. I mean, again, double-digit win seasons have not been the norm here in so long. And you're telling me after losing likely two first-round draft picks, maybe three, probably two, uh, losing um, the Blitnikoff Award winner, losing a really good edge player that's going to be drafted in the first three rounds, losing another receiver that was a thousand-yard receiver and twelve touchdowns in twenty twenty-one. Your, your impact middle line. I mean, you're losing all this talent and you have one less win. You, and especially quarterback, you sign up for that every single day of the week. So I think nine and three is a good season for Tennessee in 2023. I do. And I think that they have a chance to win more than nine games, but I think nine and three, if that's what it is, you take it for sure. Absolutely. He is Eric Kane, host of Locked on Vols. Uh, let everybody know what you got coming up next week on the podcast. Yeah, next week we're going to... I'll tell you what, my microphone's just giving me fits today. Uh, we're going to recap everything that was Orange and Wads game. We're going to hit it every single layer, offense, defense, newcomers, veterans, recruits, all that more. We're going to take advantage of some football before we say goodbye to it until the fall slate. So plenty of review, Tennessee, Orange and White spring game. That's going up next week right here on Lockdown Balls. And you're going to f- try to find out what what's going on with fall baseball? What's going on? 
We'll see, man. They're in Arkansas <laughs> this week. Another, another, another tough one. Uh, I tell you what, if Tennessee didn't beat themselves, I would love to see what that series looked like at LSU. Tennessee beat themselves in game one and game two for sure. Um, LSU is good too. And that, that environment was fantastic. So we'll see what happens. Transitional year for sure. But uh, Tennessee's a lot better than what they're playing right now. Yeah. I had a friend, a uh, South Carolina fan, a friend that was just happy to split with LSU 1 1. It was like, oh, unfortunately, we couldn't play that game three. Uh, rain got rained out. Oh, well, I guess yeah. we split. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> but no, it'll be fun to see the uh, SEC baseball season as it continues on. Eric, thanks so much for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, anytime, Gordy. All right, there you have it. That's Eric Kane, host of Locked On Vols. Thank you guys for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. And a special shout-out to our everydayers who are checking us out on the podcast or on YouTube. Now you go make your second listen. Check out Eric with Locked On Vols if you're not already subscribed and checking them out. Uh, the best thing about the SEC is even if you're a fan of another team, you always keep up to date with everything going on with the other teams because you always want to be scouting the competition. But uh, check out Eric, Locked on Vols. I'm Chris Gordon. This has been Locked on SEC. You guys have a fantastic weekend. We'll talk to you next week recapping all the action from all the spring games right here on Locked on SEC.